0: Hello Anthem and friends, it's so good to be together again on this beautiful Good Friday. A day that I love to celebrate as I remember what Jesus Christ has done for us. And so what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be having communion together at the end of the service. And so if you want to take a moment to maybe just get some communion goods, maybe a little bit of bread, a little bit of juice to be able to participate. We're going to be reminding ourselves of a bit of the story of Jesus as we go through the scriptures And so I would encourage you to get your Bibles, if you read on devices, because you've got a downloaded app, or if you read in hard copy, like I'm going to be doing today, uh, I encourage you to get that now, so that you can participate. Maybe today is going to be a reminder of the story for you, a story that you know well. Maybe you're watching, and this is the very first time you're going to have heard this story. I trust that the magnificence of Jesus Christ would be made real to you, and uh, I would like to take this moment to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. As we pray this prayer, our Father, we thank you, God, that you are, uh, you are good and that your intention is towards us as your children. Your love and kindness is towards us. Who is in the heavens, we thank you that you are as, as close as the air up against our skin. You are not far off, you are not uh, at arm's length from all the activity that is going on right now across the nations of the earth. Hallowed be your name. We thank you that you are both uh, supremely just, but also uniquely beautiful and exquisite, and we worship you this morning. And we thank you that we can pray that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that our prayer can bend the reality of what's taking place on earth toward your will for it. And so this is what we look to do as we remind ourselves of you, Jesus, and what you did on this Friday many, many years ago. As we're going to be reading out of John chapter 18, uh, we find in the Scriptures that there are four accounts of Jesus and uh, as he was heading towards the cross, and I'm going to explain what that means to us just in a little bit But uh, I'm going to be reading out of John's account, John chapter 18. I've got a couple of points that uh, as we go through the story, I would just like to reflect on as we take this time to remember the account. I think it's good to celebrate and remember. What we see in John chapter 18 from verse 1. When he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was an olive grove. And he his disciples and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. And so Judas came to the grove, guarding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it that you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. Well, I am he, Jesus said. And Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, who is it that you want? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. I told you that I am he, Jesus answered. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one Of those you gave me. We're just going to reflect on these first nine verses for uh, this little moment because I love the fact that the gospel is being presented even right here. Before he's gone to the cross, before his death was that punishment to satisfy uh, our Father and his wrath toward our sin that was due us. We see it in this very moment where Jesus said, If you're only looking for me, then let everybody else go. The men that were with him, instead of arresting everybody, instead of lumping everybody in with him, he said, then if you're just looking for me, let these men go. And this happens so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. I love the fact that the gospel is a free gift from Jesus Christ and that it loses nobody who puts their trust into him. And so today, as we reflect on this account, as we reflect on the magnificence of Jesus, let us reflect on that that he's lost none. He will lose none who put their trust in him. It goes on in verse 10. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. And the servant's name was Malchus. I, uh, I find this an interesting time, uh, or an interesting one, as, as we read in uh, John uh, chapter 18, verse 10, which we've just been reading. Uh, but we, we go into Luke's account, And in Luke chapter 22, 49 to 50, it says this. The disciples ask, should we strike with our swords? And then one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. And I just reflect on this and I think, isn't that just like us? They ask a question and then without even waiting for the answer, they go ahead and uh, act upon it. Uh, What are questions for if they're not to wait for an answer? And I want to encourage you that as we come to Jesus, we reflect on Jesus' life. uh, We do come with many, many questions. But do we wait long enough to hear an answer from the voice of heaven, uh, the one who is both Lord and Savior? Uh, I, I'm reminded of my children who so often act like this. They will run into the kitchen and they'll say, Hey, Daddy, Daddy, can we, can we have an apple or can we take a nachi? And without even waiting for an answer, they grab one and they run off uh, just because they anticipate what my answer is going to be. And I want to encourage us at, encourage us at this time. Uh, We're in lockdown, Uh, many of us around the world, depending on where you are engaging this message from. And uh, we have a moment to just pause and wait. And there are many questions that we may be asking right now. As Peter was asking, should we strike with our swords? And before waiting for an answer, cut off an ear. Uh, Some of us are possibly acting uh, too quickly without waiting for the answer of Jesus. We go on and 18, uh, John chapter 18, verse 11, Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? And uh, I'm reminded in this story of just how good a gift salvation is to us. And I use salvation to say this, that those who put their trust in Jesus will be rescued and have eternal life with their father. You see, Peter wanted to be a part of this moment and this activity. And Jesus said, actually, no, they're just looking for me. You guys all find your freedom in the gift that I give to you. You have no part in this, Peter. There will be many fights, many battles that you have to fight. But this is not the one that you need to to fight with. And I was just reflecting on this uh, earlier today and was reminded of uh, a moment uh, that uh, shamefully I have been a part of in the past. And maybe you have as well. Uh, where maybe it's a friend's birthday party and uh, the time comes to go to the party and you just haven't had a chance to think of a gift, uh, to uh, even contribute towards someone else getting a gift, you've had no engagement in it and you arrive at the party and you kind of say, "Ah, uh, would you mind just putting my name on the card? And uh, you know that it counts for nothing. Uh, The person that's giving the gift knows that it counts for nothing. And I think that's uh, what we see here. I think so many of us try to say, hey, Jesus, uh, I'm going to pull out my sword. I'm going to participate in this. I'm going to contribute towards this moment of salvation. And Jesus says, it's like adding your name at the end of a card. You didn't think of this gift. You're unable to pay for the gift. You've had no part in it. Just receive it freely. And uh, I think this is so beautiful as I reflect on this, that salvation is a free gift. We can do nothing to earn it, nothing that will take it away from us, nothing that will give it to us more than Jesus' desire for us to receive it. As we move on, uh, we see this in, uh, in John chapter 18 and 15 to 18. It says, "This Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus because this disciple was known to the high priest. And he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard, but Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple who was known to the high priest came back, spoke to the girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. You are not one of his disciples, are you? The girl asked at the door. And he replied, I am not. It was cold, and the servants and officials stood around a fire, and they had made that they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. And I think of this just a couple of hours earlier. Peter was there. Jesus, I'm with you. Shall we take our sword out, cutting off uh, the servant's ear? And a few hours later, he's saying, I don't even know Jesus. And I just think how fickle Peter was. But as I reflect, even in my own life, how fickle I can be sometimes. And uh, maybe that's true for you as we allow Jesus' story and his disciples' story to be our story as well. How fickle can we be? We can be Jesus. We trust in you. We trust in you for provision. We trust in you. We trust in you. Coronavirus comes going to lockdown. Ah, I don't know what to do. How can I? Where am I going to get finances from? Da da, da. So fickle. One day we are Jesus's champion. The next day we don't know if we can trust in him and we don't know where we need to look. As we go, uh, carry on in the story, and Jesus gets questioned by the high priest, and uh, there's denials, and now Jesus is standing before Pilate as the story goes on. And uh, in verse 37, we see Jesus say this, Uh, we see Pilate say this to Jesus, you are a king then, what has happened is there's been an interaction, and the, the chief priest's Uh, And the Jews are accusing Jesus of saying, he's the king of the Jews, but he's not. We have no king. Uh, and, uh, And Pilate says, so you are a king then? And Jesus answered, you are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born. And for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And as I'm reflecting this, I'm so grateful that Jesus knew who he was in the midst of so many people trying to tell him who he was. The Pharisees, uh, there's an earlier account, the Pharisees were trying to tell him that he's a son of the devil because he had cast demons out of somebody. Uh, Even the disciples in the earlier days were saying he's a prophet. But Jesus knew he was the son of God and it was for this purpose that he had come to the earth. And as I reflect on this, uh, I want to find myself in a position of knowing who am I? Who am I? I? I have this whole world screaming at me. You need to be this. You need to be this. You need to be this. In my in my particular story right now, pastors across the world are all doing different things. And if I'm not secure in who I am and, and know what God's called me to, I may be tempted to be doing a whole bunch of things that Jesus has not called me to. He's not made me to be. Likewise, you may also be acting and allowing uh, how you respond to be determined by what a whole bunch of other people are saying right now. If you are not secure in who you are, first and foremost, as a child of God, if you have given your life to Christ, if you've put your trust in what he's done, this free salvation gift that he gives to us. Uh, And so I want to encourage you, find out who you are. Know who you are. And uh, I love the fact that in verse 36, if we just go back one verse from verse 37, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now, my kingdom is from another place. And uh, again, as I reflect on this, we see Peter, as he steps forward, all those people had weapons and he pulls out a sword and Jesus says, Put it away. That's not what I'm doing right now. Jesus says, My kingdom is not of this world. I wonder if, Our emotions or our feelings are being driven by the things of this world at this point in time. The insecurities around our financial stability, around our job security, uh, around our family security, around our home security. What's going to happen around our food security? Uh, Do we put our trust in Jesus? Do we know that we are are children of our Father in heaven whose intention towards us is good, who is close, who is intimately involved with us? And we get to pray, his kingdom come, but it's not of this world. And so let us not uh, be burdened by uh, by worldly things at this point in time. Let us be free. Let us come into the freedom that Jesus offers us by being able to take hold of his life. We then uh, go on and uh, Pilate says, I, I find no reason to put Jesus, uh, to crucify Jesus. But the Jews just keep shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Uh, and then we see Pilate give in. Because his political role gets threatened by the Jews that they'll go to Caesar. And uh, we, hear, we pick up the story in John chapter 19, uh, verse 13. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the stone, the stone pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of Passover week, about the sixth hour. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. And I'm just wondering, in this time of high emotion, uh, as I again reflect on this, we have no king but Caesar. They did not believe that. Uh, They believed they were God's own people. They certainly did not enjoy Roman rule, which was oppressive to the Jews. Um, And so they were just so hell-bent, if I can use that language, on putting Jesus away. who was a threat to their own political gain. But they did not believe that they had no king but Caesar. But emotions trumped reason. And uh, this is what happens. When we are not led by the Spirit of God when we uh, are not uh, comforted by the comforter, uh, when we are not in step with him, what can can happen is uh, we we start to act out of our emotion as opposed to acting out of the leading of the Spirit of God. And like these chief priests, we may be no better. Where they say, we have no king but Caesar. Uh, Not true. But emotion caused them to act in a particular way. And at this time, particularly with the coronavirus going around, there are, uh, there are many things calling for our attention. There are many people saying many things. Uh, governments asking us to do many things. Uh, but what are we shouting? Are we shouting out because emotion is leading us? Are we acting out of emotion or are we confident and secure in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior? And so I would want to encourage you, don't act with unbridled emotion. And then we go on into John chapter 19 and uh, we pick it up in verse 38. And uh, what, what has happened up until now is Jesus has been crucified and he's been hanging on the cross. And, I, and I'm not going to go into all of that, but I do encourage you today to reflect on his death on the cross in that moment. But we now come to the end of what we would know as Good Friday uh, of today, many, many years ago. And in verse 38, we see this, the burial of Jesus. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus bought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds, and taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. There was an accordance with Jewish Jewish burial customs. This was an accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, in the garden, a new tomb, in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Now, I don't know if you've ever given this consideration. Here is a man who has his tomb ready for the day that he dies. Now, Uh, This man had to fully buy into the gospel. He had to fully buy into the fact that Jesus was going to rise from the dead again. Because who in their right mind would have their tomb lined up for their dying day only to give it to someone else that was dead? Tombs are of, uh, I want to say, of eternal lasting nature or of eternal nature. Uh, but you don't put somebody in a tomb and then take someone out a tomb and then put someone else in a tomb. And that's, that's a tomb where people get to lay, be, be, are laid to rest uh, for all of their days. And so uh, I, I commend the faith of Joseph of Arimathea who said, here's my tomb. I am fully confident that Jesus is going to rise from the dead. I am fully confident in who he says he is. I am fully confident that in him... Light will come, overcome darkness. In him there is victory. And just as I reflect on this, I want to just remind us of words that we've used over many, many years. That you can't rent the gospel. You have to own it. See, if you rent the gospel like if you rent a car, you don't drive it the way you would drive your own car. You don't take as much care of it. Or if you rent a home, it would be the unusual person that leaves it in a better condition than when they took over it. Uh, what tends to happen when we rent things is uh, if something breaks or becomes too much for us, we just phone the landlord and we say, hey, you need to fix it. Uh, but when we own something, it's our responsibility. We take ownership of it. And what happens is uh, if we rent the gospel, when things start to get tough, we just kind of we throw things back at Jesus. Ah, oh, you never did that. You never did that. And we look for the small print in the contract. But I want to say we are not those that rent the gospel. Be like Joseph of Arimathea who fully invested and bought into the fact that Jesus would be victorious. That Jesus was who he said he was and that light would overcome darkness. That he was prepared to give that which was supposed to be his burial place over to Jesus because he knew that Jesus would rise again. Uh, What an incredible celebration. And so I want to encourage you, buy into this gospel. Buy into Jesus Christ. Don't rent the gospel. As I reflect on these stories, these are just seven things uh, that we've, we've kind of gone through here. Uh, and I trust that they've been encouraging to you, that uh, even as you go away from here, you may have written them down and get to go and reflect in your own personal life. But I want to say this, friends. Jesus has given us the gift of salvation for free. There is nothing we can do to, uh, to buy it. There is nothing we can do to own it. There is nothing we can do. Uh, there is something we can do to own it. We, we believe in him. Uh, there's nothing we can do to earn it. Uh, nothing will make us more or less a son of our father in heaven or a daughter of our father in heaven uh, outside of Jesus Christ. And so uh, you cannot contribute to it like Peter wanted to contribute to it. Uh, let's not allow emotion to rule us at this time. Uh, let's allow the Spirit of God to lead us to the victorious And risen king that we get to celebrate on Sunday together. But this day we reflect on our own humanity. We reflect on uh, the things that uh, uh, sometimes get us down. uh, That we need to actually just bring to the foot of the cross. We say to Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the forgiveness of sin. Thank you for uh, overcoming the frailty of humanity. And as I put my trust in you, I know that I have a life Uh, That not only is forgiven, but also can be fully lived as you desired for us to be at creation. As we end this morning's teaching and reflection, friends, uh, I want to go to Luke chapter 22. And as we turn to Luke chapter 22, uh, we're going to have communion together. And I'd like to lead us in that moment. So this is a story out of... Uh, what is known the Last Supper, and this was a supper that Jesus had with his disciples just before he went to the garden to pray, which was just before we picked up the story uh, when the chief priests and the servants came to arrest him. And we read this in verse 14 of Luke chapter 22. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And so, friends, as we have communion together, uh, I want to encourage you to participate with your families, uh, whoever you have around. Maybe you want to Zoom someone or or, uh, have a FaceTime with somebody after this, uh, just to be able to contact contact them. Uh, Maybe you just want to have it on your own with Jesus, your Lord and Savior. But Jesus... We want to thank you. We want to thank you for your body. We want to thank you for your blood. We thank you that salvation is a free gift that you give us. We thank you that you went to the cross in order that uh, the punishment that was rightly due us, you took upon yourself. We thank you that you gave your body for us. We thank you that there is a new covenant. There is new life found in your blood. We thank you that we know the end from the beginning in terms of we know that on Sunday you rose again, you overcame death, and therefore you overcome everything this side of death. We thank you that we can put our trust in you and have full confidence in not only rescuing us and saving us, but giving us fullness of life. And so we worship you today. We reflect upon your life. We reflect upon your disciples' lives. And we bring it to us. And we reflect upon our own life and how we live it with you. Our confidence is in you, Jesus. Anthem and friends, I want to thank you for being with me today. Thank you for being with each other today. It's great to be able to take a moment just to reflect on the scriptures, reflect on Jesus's life. And I trust that you have an incredible Easter weekend. I know we're in lockdown, but uh, we are together, uh, the bride of Christ, all together. And so bless you. If you have never put your trust into Jesus and uh, you want to put your life into his hands, may I encourage you to do that. And maybe join us on Sunday as we continue the story of Jesus and his resurrection. Bless you.